0: Welcome to Uptown. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. We're here to empower, encourage, and uplift you on your journeys. We invite you to join us. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Sunday service at 11 a.m., and you can watch us online. Glad you're here. Let's begin today's message. I'm going to title this, uh, You Have Been Invited to the King. You have been invited to the king. Say that with me. You have been invited to the king. Now, if you really were paying attention to the songs you were singing this morning, it was talking about the what? The king. Amen? It was talking about uh, uh, being, being in the presence of the king. It was talking about humbling yourself to the king. It was talking about being with the king. Amen? So this is what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the king, and, and I'm going to bring it to you and because I want you to understand that, that we, we are worthy of everything. We, I want to take you to the king's table this morning. I, I want to give you a story this morning about a young boy. But before I give you the story about the young boy, I need to give you a, some background about how the young boy ended up at the king's table. King David, we all know the story about David and Goliath. And, and I'm just kind of, kind of walk myself through here for a minute. You know, David, you know, he was out in the field and he was bringing water back and forth. And, and can you just imagine this? And, 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 and Goliath was just standing there. You know, he's a big, big presence of a man. You know if you ever seen one of them big old football players or one of them offensive tackles, them jokers is big. And and Goliath was bigger than him. But it was something that was going on and and, and Goliath was taunting the army of Israel, the nation of Israel, saying bring forth your best warrior. And and, and everybody was scared except for this scrawny little red-headed boy named David. David came, he said, King, let me get him. I'll take care of him. I can just imagine Saul. I can just imagine the face of Saul like, who is you? And David is saying, let me have him. Now, when I'm reading the scripture and I'm I'm thinking about it, I think sometimes that 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 King Saul was being kind of facetious, or he was being kind of funny, like, okay, let me see what you're gonna do, you know. So he put his he put his armor on David, and 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 Saul was a was was a big guy, and and he put his armor on David, and and I can just imagine this big armor on David, and David is probably just man, I can't I can't walk with this. So David took off the armor because that wasn't his. That wasn't his identity. David said, I'm going to use what I know what to use. And he had this slingshot and he had these rocks in the bag. And and he looked at that big old joker and he said, okay, you shall not talk about my God the way you are. You know how y'all used to say back in the day, you know, they used to play the dozens. And and they'd say, you ain't talking about my mama. And 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 next thing you know, you're fighting all day, and, and 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 you all dusty and dirty, and and you go home, and your mother asks you a question and says, "What you all dusty and dirty for, Mama?" They was talking about you, and 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 she looking at you like you crazy. <laughs> they ain't said nothing bad about me. Don't you know who I am? but I'm saying this because David took that rock and he slung it and the Bible said it went right between his eyes. Bam! And that joker just fell over and dust went everywhere. But I believe at this point in time, Saul seen something in David and and he said, oh, there's something about this young boy that he may be coming after what I have, which is the throne. And then all of a sudden, what happened was this. David formed a relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan. And as David formed this relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan, something came out of the relationship. They they had a true, genuine love for each other. There's nothing like a good friendship. There's nothing like a friendship that you can depend on the friend, and the friend can depend on you. I don't have to be in the presence of my true friends for them to know that I love them. See, this is what Jonathan and David had. But as the story goes on, I'm kind of fast forwarding because I want to get to the scripture for today. Jonathan was teaching David all at the same time. Jonathan was already at the king's table because his father was Saul. David had came out of the fields tending sheep, smelling like sheep. David had been anointed by the prophet. And the prophet tried to anoint everybody but David until the oil wouldn't flow. But when David came and the prophet took the horn and went anointing, the oil flew and flowed over David. So David was anointed then to be king. David was also anointed to be king of Judah. But Israel was still rejecting David because they were still looking at Saul. But something was taking place because they didn't understand the position that God had for David. They were so hung up on the old traditional way that they were kept looking at Saul. But God had David. But Jonathan had a relationship with David. Jonathan made a covenant with David, his friend. When David first came, Jonathan showed him how to sit at the king's table. When David when, when David didn't know anything, Jonathan showed him how to stand up straight like one of royalty. Jonathan taught David the elements of being in royalty. But God had anointed David to be king and as the story moves on, Saul lost his life. He fell on his own sword. And then the day the, Jonathan ended up being killed in battle, and then David was already king. So the ones in Saul's household thought that David was going to kill everyone and Saul's bloodline. But I, as I go on, continue to go on, I want us to all know what our identity is. I left you there, didn't I? Yes. To bring you back. We all have an invitation to the king. everybody in the world has an invitation to the king I want to read something out of 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10 because this will give us what our identity is sometimes we think our identity is in the circumstances that we are going through Sometimes we think our identity is. I remember when I was a kid. There was a guy down the street. We used to call him Booger Jones. And we called him that because he was the the black drunk. And that's what we called him. But his name wasn't that. His name was Booker Jones. That was his name. But we called him that so long that he identified with something that was not his name. I'm going to read 1 Peter. Because I need us to identify that our identity, what our, what our identity is in the kingdom. But you are a chosen generation. Mm. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were a people, who once were not a people, but now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God is looking at us and he is telling us that we are a royal priesthood. He is saying that we are a chosen generation. He is saying that we are a holy nation. But most importantly, he is saying that we are a special people. Amen. Our identity is not in my circumstances. My identity is not in my struggle. My identity is what Christ Jesus has called me. Royal priesthood. He said, but now we have obtained mercy. Remember a few weeks ago when I talked about that word mercy as something that is not deserved. And I gave the illustration that if someone is on death row and they're waiting for the phone call, the only one that can change that circumstance at that particular time, at that particular moment, is that phone call. And that phone call is coming from the governor's office or the president's office. Someone who has authority. Someone who is able to give mercy upon that situation. So if the phone doesn't ring, they inject him. If the phone rings, they say, hold it, wait a minute, stop. The governor just said he has commuted your sentence and you're no longer on death row. Can you imagine how that man or woman feels at that moment because of that act of mercy? I guarantee you they're not just laying there. I guarantee you that they are praising. I'm going to talk to you about a young man who was permanently damaged, who was living in fear, living a life of misery every day. Until one day in this state that he was in, he met divine grace. He was introduced to a covenant that he did not know. When we go out into the world and we think about all these people that are walking around who never been introduced to Jesus, and then we proclaim Jesus Christ to them, we are introducing them to a covenant they did not know. A covenant of love that was seeking him. Not him seeking it. A covenant that was about to shower him with undeserved mercy and love and the kiss of grace. will protect him and care for him. But he had a responsibility. And his responsibility was To accept it willingly. I'm going to tell you about a young man named Mephibosheth. Say that with me. Mephibosheth. That's a mouthful, ain't it? If y'all know me, you guys know how I had to go over this word. Mephibosheth. I'm going to tell you about a story about a young man who was Permanently damaged. Who was living in fear. Who was living a life of misery. <clears throat> but he was royalty. Woo, that's deep, ain't it? You know what his name means? Mephibosheth. His name means this. A shameful thing he scatters shame Mephibosheth that's what his name means. when I was studying this out and I and I'm looking at it in depth because I like to get into words and stuff and I'm looking at it and, and I said, oh my God the devil had him tricked because he was of royalty. He was not a shameful thing. But he was believing who he was. Who they called him. Let's go to 2 Samuel. Verse chapter 9 verses 1 through 13 and some of these names you're going to have to help me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, David said, is there anyone, listen, listen to how, how, how God uses this. And David said, is there anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Zebar, Zebar. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And then then the king said, is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. Listen to how the word of God is reading. He said, he said, there is still someone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness, the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Mm. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amal Lodimbar. Then King David sent and bought him out of the house of Machar, the son of Ammar from lo Well, we're going to get past that one. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself. And then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. And so David said to him, fear, do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you will eat at my table continuously. Mm. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon him such as a dog as I? Mm, believing the shameful thing. Mm. And the king called Zabah, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all to his household, and therefore your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. Mm. Interesting. And you shall bring in the harvest. Mm. Interesting. That your master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now, Zebar had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Zeba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commanded, his servant will do, his servant will do your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, the king, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth a young man whose name was, and Mephibosheth had a young man whose name was Machai. And all who dwelt in the house of Zebra were the servants of Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem and ate continuously at the king's table and was lame in both feet. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Let's take another look at this divine. This is what divine grace looks like. Say it again. This is what divine grace looks like. When you think about how Saul treated David, what I didn't tell you in the first part of this was that Saul tried to kill David 11 times. Now, can you imagine? I can see y'all now. Somebody done tried to kill you 11 times and now all of a sudden, his grandson is in dire need. I'm, I'm just saying, church. Y'all probably would have looked at us where he deserved to be. <laughs> Let him stay there. His, his granddaddy tried to kill me. I can just imagine it. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100. David suffered at the hand of Saul. In In, in Sunday school, we were talking about Suffering, we're talking about how Jesus said that he, he had to suffer because of the, of the elders, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and that they was going to kill him. David had to suffer at the hand of Saul. And I want to tell you this, all David tried to do was love Saul. That's all he tried to do. But Saul was jealous. See what jealousy will do? Jealousy will stop you from loving someone who is reaching out to you because you are insecure. We cannot be insecure in the body of Christ Jesus. As as Brother Emmanuel spoke this morning, he said, everyone has gifts. The body has to learn to function as a well-tuned machine that everyone is functioning in their gifts. But y'all won't let me sing. Amen. I'm glad I got somebody on my side. But this was not about Saul. See, this is what we have to understand as a church. Is that, yes, somebody may have done you wrong. Somebody may have said something to you. Like, like I gave the example back in the day. They said something about my mama. So we going at it. And your mama at home looking at you. You got all dirty and I got to clean them clothes. And, and what's wrong with you, boy? Don't you know who I am? I'm not what they said. I had to learn that one. But we're going to see this this covenant that was made out of love and loyalty. Which bonded together a spoken word. Jonathan knew that one day his friend was going to be the king. So he wanted protection for his family. Our lives should be like this, that we that we should take the initiative to show kindness to somebody. Well, they did me wrong, Pastor. Well, I got to show some kindness. If I I'm 62 years old, I'm quite sure that in these years that I've been blessed to be in this body, I've done somebody wrong. See? We don't look at it in that context. I might not be able to to go back to the person I did wrong and say, forgive me, but the next person that comes into my life that God says, help him, I'm able to administer that kindness and that love. But we got to learn that we don't just give it to somebody that we want it in return. Oh, oh well, if I, if I do that, they can never, they, they'll never get that back to me. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Can you get that back to him? We have to understand these things as men and women of God. The question sometimes is, who is the Mephibosheth in your life? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Who is Mephibosheth in Greg's life? That I need to show an act of kindness. Because the covenant that I have with Christ Jesus. Who is crippled? Now I'm going to say this and I need you to visualize this. You guys are judges. Who is Mephibosheth? Who is crippled in your court and you're the judge? How are you going to judge him? Grace isn't picky. This is what we have to understand that grace is not picky and it's not nearsighted. I'm nearsighted. I take off my glasses and I'll be looking to find out where is Emmanuel. That's real. I'm nearsighted. So, So grace is not nearsighted. Grace doesn't look for things that were done wrong in the past. Grace looks for those things that it can love. Grace walks with mercy and gives the kiss of love to the one who does not deserve it. The Bible says if your enemy is what? Hungry? Feed him. Give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so by doing so, he'll heap coals of fire on his own head. And the Lord will reward you. Now, isn't that something? The Bible said, and the Lord will reward you. I hear people talking all the time. Oh, pastor, the end times is coming. Oh, my God. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to scream. How's the end times going to come and you got chef in your life? That don't make sense, do it? We got to clean up chef before the end times. Who do we need to forgive? We are all crippled in certain areas in our lives, but we don't, sometimes we don't want to say that I am. If I want to be real about it and tell you the truth, I struggle every day with something. Somebody might have said something crazy to me and I'm struggling with it. Because I'm all oh, the Jesus that's in me, I'm saying, oh Lord, please help me. Please help me. I just want to keep my mouth shut. Please help me, Lord. I'm struggling with it. Because my flesh wanna, Joke, if you say that to me one more time. But I put the, the Holy Ghost smile on. <sighs> Praise the Lord, brother. And my mind is thinking, see that bat over there? People are going to ask you because they're looking for the old state of mind. David didn't ask the servant of Saul about my fellowship's condition, did he? He said, Is there anybody in Saul's household that I can bless? And the first day, first he said, Yeah, Jonathan's got a son and he's lame in both feet. Isn't that how the world says something about us? They said, Oh, I know Greg. Yeah, he used to hang out at the club, been Lansing and used to do this and do that. I didn't know him. But that was 40 years ago. They still are trying to identify me with that. Amen. Am I keeping it 100? Amen. Amen. But the thing about it was this. Now, listen, remember the first part that I I told you this, and I read it. I said, he said, we are a royal priesthood. Mephibosheth is a priest, or he is a prince that's lame. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Mephibosheth comes from royal blood. If Saul and Jonathan still had been living, there's no way that servant would have talked to David the way he did. Yeah. But because the servant didn't think that he had a protection or a covering, he talked to David like, huh, there he is, and he's lame in both feet. But was still the bloodline of royalty. but Mephibosheth didn't ask to be dropped. Listen. He was dropped as a young boy when they were fleeing because David had became king and so his nursemaid grabbed him at five years old and dropped him on the way out the door. And he became lame in both feet. What I'm saying to you this morning, church, or anyone who's listening online, is that whatever happened to you in your past, you didn't deserve it. There was something special about Mephibosheth because he was a prince. We take these childhood issues and we bring them into our adult lives. We're still running away from the nursemaid dropping me. And I'm 50 years old. Circumstances. Life struggles. Things that we go through. Watch this. The Bible said in the beginning that that God made Adam and He breathed His breath into him and He became a living being. And then he had a relationship with Adam. Oh, he was walking with Adam in the cool of the eve. I can just imagine this because Adam was not without sin, so he could look in the presence of God and and and. And he was, hey, what's up, dad? And he said, I ain't nothing, son. You know, let's take a walk, you know. And he walking and all of a sudden, Adam failed. That's what the Bible said, right? Adam failed. And God asked the question. He came back the next day and he's looking. He said, Adam, Adam. Well, where are you? And Adam is hiding and and he's hiding and he said, I'm naked. And God said, "Who, who told you you were naked? It doesn't take the world any time to tell you that you are lame and crippled. It didn't take the world and the circumstances of the world to tell Adam that he was naked and now he was separated from God. Adam was a prince of royal blood. Adam was from the bloodline of Jesus Christ. God the Father already knew that Jesus was coming. This is the covenant that Adam had no knowledge of. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? That that, that God already knew. He said, oh, Adam, I'll take care of this because I love you. I'm going to send your big brother to take care of this. So we can get back into the king's presence. David didn't care about the condition of Mephibosheth. He didn't ask what condition was he in. He said, "Where is he?" God does not care about what condition we are in. He just wants to know where are we at? Mephibosheth was hiding. In another man's house. Mm. Why are we hiding in the world? In another man's house. God has a house for us. But we are hiding in the world. Which is. Another man's house. He is in the house of Mechah. The son of Amiel of low dembar now you know me in these words Lo means no dembar means pasture or pasture land so it means this not pasture in other words there is no pasture in other words uh mephibosheth is dwelling in a place that is desolate and barren His name already means shameful thing. Or one that scatters shame. And now he is dwelling in a place that has no pasture. Are you following me? The king is searching for Mephibosheth. in a place that has no life. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Jesus Christ, when he died upon the cross and he shed his blood, he was telling everyone, he said, the world will hate you because of me. He is saying to us, get out of that place that has no pasture. That has no life. The trick of the enemy is this. He'll make you believe that where you are living at is what's happening. But I told you I'm going to give you an invitation to the king's table. Not a barren field, but the king's table. Not a place that don't want you, but the king's table. Not a place that's going to call you lame, but the king's table. But Pharaoh came before the king and fell face down. He laid prostrate up, upon his face. And if you guys come up in here on a, on a Saturday afternoon, I guarantee you we're going to be laying before the Lord. There's no fear. David told him there's no fear. I'm going I'm, I'm to close this up. But I want you to get it. Jesus Christ did something for us. John 14, 6 reads like this. It says, he says, don't fear. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you, and I go prepare a place for you. I'm telling you right now, this is a place that has life this is a place that has pasture this has a place that is not barren and desolate and if you and if and if i go to prepare a place for you i will come again to receive you to myself that where i am there you also may be and where i go you know the way and you know the way. And then Thomas said to him, "Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Now here's the key. And Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except no one comes to the Father except through me." In other words, he's talking about the royalty, the blood. Now here's the last part. I know I'm kind of going over a little bit, but I want to get to this point. Here's the last part. It's the restoration or the restoring. See, David wasn't restoring because of Saul. He was restoring because of a covenant that he made with Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan. Had nothing to do with Saul. What I'm telling you, church, this morning is this, is that we have to understand who is Mephibosheth in our lives and the covenant that we have in Christ Jesus, and we have to move forward and get them at the king's table. Mephibosheth is now in the presence of the king, and the king has given him everything back. Joel. Reads like this. And the Lord says, and I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts. In other words, what the, what the world gave you that had no pasture. When a locust comes through, he, they come through and they devour everything. And it's barren and it's desolate. And the enemy has tricked you so bad you think you can grow corn in it. David gave it all back to Mephibosheth. The king called him by name. He didn't call him shameful thing. He didn't say that you're lame. He called him by name. We must be humbly before the, the king. The king is telling us fear not, but trust in him and trust also in God. The king has given Mephibosheth the promises of grace. Mercy, love, kindness, restoration, and a place at the king's table. Amen. 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 Now watch this. I'm about to close right here, but watch this. He is continually at the king's table. Read the Bible. Read what it says. But he is still lame in both feet. Mm. 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 He is still lame in both feet. He's at the king's table and his condition is still lame in both feet. We have to get out of this thinking that I got to be so perfect and so right to go to the king. The king is accepting me as I am, he made me. God is not looking at our circumstances, he just wants us at the table. You may be looking for healing in one way, but God is healing you in another way. (laughs) Mephibosheth could have been saying, Lord, heal me of my feet. I want my feet. But what God did, he gave him everything back and he was still in his condition. We must remember with Paul. Paul pleaded with God three times. He said, Lord, take this stone from my side. You know what God told Paul? I, I always find this interesting when I'm going through something. He said, hmm, okay. I see the sun. I see it. But you know, just a quick, quick, a quick story. Paul was his sight was losing. We think about it was a physical, but his, his sight was losing. He was losing his sight. And so he was pleading with God. He says, take this away from me. And God said, oh, well, okay, Paul. Well, my grace is sufficient. In other words... Are you looking at your circumstances or are you going to walk in by grace? Because my grace will keep you at the king's table. Your circumstances, I don't care. I just want you at the king's table.